is called A Recall to Self. When I first read that title, I thought of a thing that that I've said to myself all the time. We're probably going to talk a lot about talking to ourselves, okay? Because let's admit it, we all do it. You don't have to admit it, but I'm telling you, you, you do. We all talk to ourselves, and thank God we do. Thank God we can do that. And most of the time, we listen to ourselves. And so this title tonight, A Recall to Self, kind of harkened me back to a thing I used to say, and I probably still do sometimes, note to self. You ever, you ever said that? Note to self. Don't ever do that again. Right? Note to self. Don't take that way home again. Note to self, don't ever shop in that store again. Note to self, don't ever buy that item again. Right? And we could just go on and on with that, right? I could just go around the room tonight, virtually. We could all say, yeah, I've done that. I've said that. And so that's really what this is tonight, and that's really what Paul is saying to the church through this scripture. He's saying, I'm not going to always be around, folks. Matter of fact, you know, when Paul was writing these letters, he was in jail. And there there did come a time where Paul's life was taken. And so Paul was trying to get it across to all these churches, hey, I'm not always going to be around to point you in the right direction. You better figure it out for yourself. Because guess what? Paul had to do that. He really did. Let's read this scripture tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Give my booth person there some time to get that scripture up for those that don't have their Bible with them or can't get there quick enough. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. It says, examine yourselves. This is Paul talking to, who's the audience he's talking to? The the Corinthian church, right? It's a second letter he wrote to the church. It's personal. Anybody anybody ever receive a personal letter? Not too much anymore. you got to get it in an email or a text. But I like sitting down writing letters. I like continuing to practice my cursive. Brother Richard, because I like I like getting letters and I like getting mail and I like writing letters because it's personal. When you sit down and handwrite something, your thought put your thoughts on paper about that individual or that situation, and you put it in an envelope and lick and stick them uh, a postage stamp and put it on there and stick it in the mail, and somebody opens it on the other end and they open that up and it's not typed, it's handwritten. It means something. It does. They, they don't. They might not say it out loud, but it means they took time. Whoever the, whoever wrote this took time to sit down at a table and write this, right? And so that's what Paul was doing when he couldn't be there. He he could he was there by by letter, and they didn't have a, a U.S. Postal Service. So I don't know how the letters got there. They they were in scrolls, but somebody had to deliver it. It might be a month after he wrote it, right, before they got it. And then the Corinthian church would, not everybody could read. Most of them couldn't read. 
Most of them were illiterate. Not, that's not a bad thing. They just didn't, they didn't know Greek and they didn't know Hebrew. And so there was a few that did know it, a few that could read, so that person would read this to everybody. And when everybody got it, got to hear the letter, they'd roll that thing up and send it off to the next church at Ephesus or wherever. So these letters, I believe, made the rounds. It wasn't just the Corinthian church that got to read this stuff. Because there was no such thing as a Bible, right? When, they, when he was writing this. this. He was writing the Bible that we have today. And so the, the Corinthian church, the Ephesian church, the Philippi church, none of these churches had anything to read. They couldn't turn to a scripture. They had to depend on the guys that were studied, you know, the because most of the salvation in the early part of the church, most of the, the people that were saved were Jews. And so they were a little more educated. And so they, they, the Gentiles that came in later had to depend on somebody to know what they were talking about and read this stuff. Thank God they did. We're here today because of that. And so we're going to go on and read this. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. It sounds like he's putting it all on the responsibility on us, doesn't it? Know ye not your own selves? Don't you know yourself? Of course you do. Let's hope you do. How that Jesus Christ is in you? He's talking to the church, right? Not talking to sinners, not talking to people outside the body of Christ. He's talking to the church. Don't you know that Christ is in you? Except you be reprobates. Now let's go back and read that same scripture, but let's start in verse 1 and go through verse 5. Because there's a little context here. We all, we already talked about Paul's writing this letter. Let's go back and read some context here. It says in verse 1, this is the third time. Wow, this is the third letter. I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. You know, in the Old Testament, you could, if you accuse somebody of something, you, they couldn't just take that person to court over the, just your word. The rule was, if you want to call it a rule, they had to get at least two or three witnesses to corroborate. And it's kind of like that today in court, isn't it? In our natural courts. I can accuse you of something, but I, I gotta come up with some more evidence than just my verbal ac- accusation that you did it. You might not have done it. I just want to mess with you and get you all, you know, tied up in the court system. So I just go into the judge and accuse you of something you didn't do. Well, I better, I better hope I got some more corroborating evidence to go with that, right? And so that's what Paul was saying here. He was telling the church, two or three witnesses. Well, what was the two or three witnesses? What did he just say? This is the third. Third, three, third time I've written to you. So Paul had been there before, more than once, right? Apparently, right? Sister Barb, he'd been there in person, and now he's there in this letter. And he's telling him in this letter, hey, guys, I, I've been there, I've visited, I've seen what's going on. Right? Paul, Paul wasn't, they didn't have anything, any such thing as a district official. Okay, I'm not knocking district officials. 
in the UPCI. I'm just saying they didn't have that. Paul was a leader of the church. And Paul didn't ask to be the leader, did he? Matter of fact, he was minding his own business, just walking down the road to Damascus, getting ready to go take some more Christians and drag them down the road and kill them or put them in prison, when he saw a bright light and everything changed in his life. And I just think the more I thought about this as I was looking at this lesson, I think, you know, Paul, he was in that house for three days, Sister Sister Barb and and Richard, she, he was in there blind for three days, didn't eat anything. Do you think Paul was kind of sitting there thinking about life? He was going through, his, going over some stuff in his mind, like he just told us in verse 5. He was searching his own heart. He was like, wow, you know, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be going, man, this is, this is just crazy what just happened to me. I can't see. I don't feel like eating. Nobody else that, that, that was with me knows what's going on. I'm just sitting here. Now, you know, what do I do? I can't go anywhere unless somebody leads me. Well, that's what God was doing with his life. So Paul is not somebody that's talking out of, out of the left side of his mouth. He knows what he's talking about. Right? About searching his own heart. And so he's not just saying stuff just because it sounds good. He, what did Paul say? I don't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. Isn't that what he said? And so what? It, I just believe whatever Paul was saying, well, let, let's read verse 2. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present. I'm saying it as if I was sitting right here with you the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. Verse 3. Some people in the church had sinned? Whoa. That's what he said. He's talking to the church, right? We already established that. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to the church. So some people in the church had sinned. Verse 3, since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, and one translation says speaking through me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. What is he saying right there? He's saying, this is not me saying this, folks. You know, you, you have to believe that Paul was operating by the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was, whatever Paul was doing, wherever Paul was going, whatever he was saying, he was getting that straight from, from the Holy Ghost, straight from God. He wasn't making this stuff up as he went. Let's see, he wasn't going around saying, let's see, what can I say today? You know, he didn't have a computer. He couldn't type up a bunch of notes. Paul had to, Paul learned from his initial experience on that Damascus road and God taught him as he went along, you're going to have to trust me to know what to say. When I tell you, just, just like the prophets, Paul studied the Bible. He studied the Old Testament. He knew that those prophets, there was no book. There was no scroll for those prophets to read Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all those guys. And David even was a prophet. How did those guys know what to say? 
God said it to them. He said, repeat what, and it even says so in some of those, uh, those books of those prophets. You can read it right there in the book. It said, and God spoke this to me and told me to go say it to them. And he said, don't worry about what their faces look like. Just say it. And so that's what Paul was doing. I'm just saying what God told me to say. Since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. The next verse. For though he was crucified through weakness, who was, who was crucified? Jesus Christ, right? Yet he liveth by the power of God. He was crucified in weakness, wasn't he? Because Jesus Christ was frail flesh, just like we are. He was powerless to stop it. And he, matter of fact, he didn't want to stop it. I mean, at one point he said, Father, if this cup could pass for me, but nevertheless, right? But he knew why he was on this earth. He knew what his calling was. He knew what it meant that he was called the Messiah. He knew he was going to have to die for us. As much as his flesh didn't want to do it, his spirit said, i got to do this. And so, yes, in weakness he went to that cross, but he went there in power. And he came off that cross in power. For we also are weak in him. For without him we can do nothing, Sister Sandy. We are weak in him. We can't do anything, really, if you want to say it this way, successful in the kingdom without God leading us. We can't just make it up on our own. We just can't do our own thing. Paul wasn't doing his own thing. But we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. And then the next verse. And Paul Paul builds all this up to this point, And he says, guys, meaning everybody, not just girl, guys, men, but guys. Examine yourselves. I'm not always going to be here. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. What is he, what's he talking about? What does 2 Timothy 2.15 say? Let's go there. 2 Timothy 2.15. I'm going to go there up here. It says this. Study. Study. Who's writing this letter? Who's writing this? Right? Who was Timothy? He was one of Paul's understudies, wasn't he? So we already talked about that in previous previous lessons last month. So this is Timothy. He's just really just, he's saying some things that Paul said to him. And there's some things that he learned as he sat under Paul and was mentored by Paul. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Which implies don't study to show yourself approved unto men. Don't, you're not trying to impress people. You're not trying to impress everybody with how much Bible knowledge you have. That doesn't mean don't go having Bible knowledge, but you're not doing it for that motive and that reason. 
Study to show thyself approved unto God. God, I want, I want to do this because I want your approval. Who doesn't want their father's approval? I don't care if it a hundred years ago or right now. Everybody wants, if you got a father, you want your daddy's approval. Right? I want my heavenly father's approval. I want to be approved by him. I want him to know I love him, but I want him to approve my life and what I'm doing. And I want to study to, to show myself approved unto him, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Is this what Paul was talking about, among other things, when he was saying this? Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. What better way to examine yourself than to measure your life against what this book says? Right? Because guess what? God's going to measure your life when you stand before that judgment seat. He's going to open this book and he's going to measure your life against what this book says. And there's going to be a record of everything you said, everything you did, everything. And he's going to look at the record. This I don't know if this is specifically biblical. This is just how I feel it's going to happen for me. He's going to look at the record and he's going to look at you and say, it says right here in the book to do this. Why didn't you do it? Or why, why did you do this when the book says not to? And so what's our answer going to be? That's why, that's why Paul and Timothy and all these men were, they weren't just saying it to the church for that day. They were saying it to us. You know, this was all like prophetic almost. Like he was, they were speaking this into the future. Cause God knew we were going to be here today. Tonight. He knew we were going to be here, Sister Barb. He knew we needed to hear something from, from him tonight. And so he wrote, he had these men write this stuff under the power of the Holy Ghost. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We gotta rightly divide this thing. Sister Barb, you better know that you know that you know what that book says. And I'm not saying anything against anybody, including myself, that gets up here and speaks and preaches to you and ministers to you, but you better go study it for yourself. You better check it out for yourself. If there was one thing I was told as a new convert, it was that right there. Basically, he said, take my word for it, but you better go home and study it for yourself. Make it personal. You know, if you hear something that somebody somebody receives revelation about something that they it just blows their mind, right? And they tell you about it. And you go, wow, that is amazing. Yeah, I've never heard that either. If you just leave that right there, you'll lose that. You got to take that home and make it your own. You got to make it your own. You got to go home and study that and go, wow. And not only that, but man, God showed me not only what they said, but man, he showed me this. And then you go back to that person and say, man, did you see this when you read that? And they go, no. Oh man, that is awesome. Right? It's personal. This relationship, this walk is personal. He wants to show you stuff that he won't even show me. And 
If you, you know, if you're going to get an A on the test, if you study and you cram, right? But you, but if you study all, all along, right? And you get it all along, you don't wait till the last night to cram, right? You're not going to pass. Right? And so we got to do that. Philippians 2, 1 through 13. Hope this is all right tonight. Philippians 2, 1 through 13. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, here's another letter. Letter of Paul to the Philippian church, right? Here's another letter. This is another instance of Paul writing to the church saying, hey, I'm trying to help you out here. Trying to give you some guidance. You I'm not always going to be around. There's other men that are going to be leading you like Timothy and Peter and all these men. But then, you know, you have to understand that, and we know today that those men had to die at some point, And it had to be passed to somebody else. And we don't have the names of all those people throughout history that have carried this message on and passed it on and passed it on and passed it on. But here we are with this message. And I sure want to be preaching it and teaching it the way they did. You know, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? So if there be any therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my, my joy, that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. This is some good wisdom right here. This is talking about examining yourself. This is about, this is talking about, you got to walk this walk. What he's saying. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't be so concerned about yourself. What did Jesus say? Don't don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Doesn't he love you more than all the sparrows? He's going to take care of that stuff. Let tomorrow worry about itself, right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He was made in the likeness of men, like us. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul was humbling himself everywhere he went. He wrote all those things. He he started those letters that said, you know, I'm I'm a servant. I, I'm I'm the chief sinner, and all those things. Paul humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the even the death of the cross. You think Jesus had to die to self too? Because he was human. There's probably some stuff he wanted to do in the flesh. I know it's Jesus, but 
He was man. He, he had like, he had feelings and emotions and things just like we did. I think Jesus had to kind of die to what he wanted. What do you think? He probably had to die to a lot of the things he wanted to do because if you think about it, Jesus was a teenager. We don't, we don't really read a whole lot about him during that time, but if you, y'all know any teenagers? I'm sure at some point somewhere Jesus wanted to date somebody. Maybe. I don't know. Just speculating, right? Because he was a teenager. He went through all the stuff we went through as teenagers. So Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He had to do a whole lot more dying, I think, before he ever got to Calvary. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow, and the things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Wherefore, my beloved, my beloved church members, my beloved fellow laborers, whatever, he was talking to the beloved, the church, right? As you have also always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how, but now much more in my absence, work out. This is really a good work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse thirteen. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Work out your own salvation. Examine yourself with fear and trembling, with, with reverence and, and awe and doesn't, that doesn't, that scripture is not saying to save yourself. What Paul is telling the church is you've got to work this thing out for yourself. He gave you the starting point. We were baptized in Jesus' name. We took on his name in water baptism. We were filled with the Holy Ghost. Our sins were washed away. We were covered in his blood. We took on his name. We received his spirit down inside of us. Wells of living water springing up into everlasting life, right? But that's not the end of the story, is it? That's just entrance into the family. We got to go way beyond that basic stuff. Way beyond it. There's things he wants to show us. There's things he, where places he wants to take us to in the spirit that, that if we'll just humble ourselves, that's what Paul did. That's what these men did. We don't understand and realize that these men that wrote these letters that were going, why were they going to jail? Because they were preaching the gospel. They were so zealous and so, just so ate up with it, if you will. And that's where he's saying we gotta, we gotta seek out our own salvation. When, when are we really saved? When do we really know with that we're saved? <laughs> when the church is taken out of here and we go with it. Up until then, we really don't know, do we? I believe I am. I'm striving for that. But what the, the Bible says, strive for perfection. All that run in a race, talks about it being a race. We're still in the race. We're still on the journey, aren't we? I'm going to make it to heaven. Aren't you? You've got to have that determination to that. I'm not just going to sit on the, on my seat and make it to heaven. I'm going to make it to heaven with everything I got. 
Study to show yourself approved. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does the Bible say? That even the righteous shall scarcely be saved. Wow. And so we got to be careful. And, the, you know, Paul, it sounds like, because Paul talks about, you know, I know that I'm coming across kind of hard on you guys, and I'm, I'm coming down hard on you. Anybody ever said, you know, I remember, you know, I think I remember my dad saying, I, I don't want to have to come down on hard on you, but I'm going to, because you need it. Right? And Paul wasn't coming down hard on them because, he wanted to. He was doing it out of zeal and desire for the things of God. Second Corinthians eleven one through four. Second Corinthians eleven one through four. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. Here we go again. Another letter to the Corinthians. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Who is he talking to? The church. He's not jealous of them. He's jealous over them. He doesn't want to see them just wandering and just spinning off into all kinds of weird, you know, doctrines and things. You know, there was... Plenty of scriptures in the New Testament that warned us that in the last days that there would be scoffers and there would be false prophets and false teachers, right? Those were warnings. And where were those false prophets and false teachers coming from? Right out of the church. Well, I don't think that's all necessary right there, so I think I'm going to preach it this way. And that don't happen today, does it? Right? You better study to know. You better study to know. You better study to show yourself approved. You better seek out your own salvation. You better examine yourself. Note to self. Right? Like we said at the beginning. Note to self. We got we got to do a recall here. You know. When you did a recall in the in the military, they called everybody in, right? You remember that? And they would just do it in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning. You get a phone call if you lived at, in quarters somewhere, and you just get a phone call. And you knew when you got when it was a recall, you had to have all your TA fifty, all your gear, and you had to bring everything in and line it up. And they had to count and they had to verify you had everything just just as an exercise to do it. For readiness. And Paul wants us to be ready. He said, I'm, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband. Who's that? Jesus Christ. Right? We took, it's, it's like we took a marriage vow. Right? Or doesn't the Bible call us the bride of Christ? Right? Am I, is that right, Sister Barb? Okay. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. 
But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds, isn't that where the battle is? Isn't that where the enemy works? Temptation in our mind, right? Spiritual wickedness in high places. Should be corrupted from the, that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, that don't happen today, does it? Say, yes, it does. Whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, you might well bear with him. So you mean to tell me there there's another gospel? There's another there could be another spirit besides the Holy Spirit? There are spirits of religion in the world, right? I wasn't always raised in Pentecost. I was raised in a spirit of religion in a religious organization that really to the for the most part doesn't really do anything by the Bible, very little. And so there is that spirit of religious tradition, that spirit. And so we got to be careful. Once again, going back to examine yourself, going back to study to show thyself approved, going back to seek out and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean that I'm saying anything wrong or bad. And if I am, the pastor will let me know that. But but we got to work this thing out for ourselves. God drew us individually, personally, to an altar of repentance, did he not? Somebody might have taught us a Bible study. Somebody might have witnessed us. Somebody might have prayed and covered us in prayer and, and wept and, and interceded and travailed for us in prayer. But ultimately, it was us and Jesus. Right? You remember that when you got the Holy Ghost? It was just you and Jesus at the altar. There might have been all kinds of people around laying hands on you, really, and you you had your eyes closed. It was just you and Jesus, right? Personal relationship. Because he didn't care about all those people. He was just waiting for you to receive it, the free gift. He was just waiting. And as soon as you your faith opened up, bam, those rivers just started flowing out of you, right? Praise God. Second Timothy verse one chapter one verse one through twelve. You know, Paul, as she's going there, Paul didn't choose to be I might have said this already, but I'm gonna say it again. He didn't choose to be the leader that he ended up being. Right? Just like Moses did not choose to be the deliverer. Matter of fact, he tried to get out of it. God said no. Joseph did not choose to have those dreams and end up being second in command in in Egypt. Right? Esther didn't choose that position that she got put in under that king. And then what did her uncle say to her? How do you know that you haven't been put in that position at that particular time, moment in time, for such a time as this, Esther? 
And what did Esther say? Well, if I die, I die. It's for the kingdom. It's for the people of Israel. And so none of these people, including Paul, asked for this position. They, they didn't want it. But it was foisted upon them because God said, I'm going to use you. And so what did Paul have to do? He had to humble himself and let God use him. God let him go through stoning and all this stuff that Paul went through. Physical harm to his body. People were trying to chase him and they were letting him down the wall in a basket. I mean, Paul went through some stuff that he didn't have to go through that if he didn't want to. But he gave up and he said, God, I am not in control of my life anymore. You are. And if you say go there, I'm going there. If you say don't go there, there's one place in the Bible where he said, Paul said, I'm going to go. And God said, no, you're not. You're going over here. You're not going over there yet. I'm, I'm not ready for you to go over there yet. Paul, I'm ready for you to go over here. And Paul just said, whatever you say, God. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He was, See, he wasn't an apostle by his own will. He didn't as, assign that title to himself and go around telling everybody, hey, guess what? I'm an apostle now. Paul was always humble. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. According to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I have served from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have Remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Keep going all the way through um, verse 12. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. He wasn't a prisoner of Pharaoh or whoever threw him in there. As far as Paul was concerned, he was a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there because that's where God wanted him. Because God wanted him to slow down in his ministry and write these letters so that we would have them today. Does that make sense? Nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Be a partaker of the afflictions. Follow, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Are we doing that? Because he went through some serious afflictions, didn't he? He was stoned and left for dead, and God said, nope, you're not dead yet. Get up. I got more for you to do. 
mean, they were throwing great big rocks at him, Sister Barb, not little bitty ones. Great big old, like, concrete blocks or something. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to the works, our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. It's, it's God's purpose, not our purpose. And his grace, his empowerment, which was given in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality and light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed. See right there, he's a, he was appointed. Who appointed him? Who appointed him? God did. The same, the same, the, the same God that stopped him on the road to Damascus and said, why are you kicking against the pricks, Paul? I'm Jesus whom you, whom you're persecuting. This is the same guy. And God told him, God told Ananias, I'm going to tell you to tell him some things that I'm going to have him do. And you just go tell him what I told you, Ananias. And Ananias tried to get out of that, didn't he? And tried to remind God like God didn't know that Paul was that bad guy that was doing all that stuff. <laughs> and God said, yeah, I know, Ananias. Forget about all that. Just go do what I You're the one that's going to baptize him. You're the one that's he's going to receive the Spirit. And you're the one that's going to tell him some stuff that he's going to do for me. And God's talking to us. He's trying to tell us some stuff he wants us to do for him. Because we're his ambassadors, aren't we? Aren't we his representatives on the earth? Not, we're not just, just casual bystanders, are we? We're not supposed to be anyway. If you read the, look at the New Testament church, none of them are really casual bystanders. Matter of fact, in the end of the book of Acts, what does it say? They went from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship with all the people. And God added to the church daily such as should be saved. They were busy. New converts, they were already out there doing stuff. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul was a Jew. He didn't want to go teach the Gentiles, but God said, I'm going to use you to take this message to the Gentiles, Paul. For the which cause I also suffer these things. What things? Just We can go on and on tonight about all the things that Paul suffered. We've already talked about it. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Do we know who we have believed? There's a lot of people out there that say these words, I believe in Jesus. Do they really? I'm not questioning whether they do. I'm just saying, do they really? Because actions speak louder than words, right? If you believe in Jesus, you're going to do the things that Jesus wants you to do and not the things that the world wants you to do, right? You're going to, your, your desire is going to be to please your husband because you're the bride of Christ, right? And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What did have what what did Paul mean when he said that which I have committed unto him against what and and we'll get into what is that day, but 
What what did Paul have, what was it that he committed? And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. What did Paul commit unto Jesus Christ? His life. Everything. He gave up wisdom, worldly wisdom. He gave up being a Pharisee. He probably gave up riches, wealth. He probably gave up. You know, as a Pharisee and a scribe, you had a certain notoriety and you had, you, you know, everybody looked up to you. You were, you were one of those officials, right? Oh, there goes one of the Pharisees. Let's all bow. Right? Because what did the, the Bible says that the Pharisees lorded the things of God over the, the little people. Paul gave all that up. Paul gave up a lot. But what did Paul say? He said, I counted as dung. Didn't he say that? But none of these things move me, he said. All the stuff that's happening to me, all the stuff I've had to give up. I don't it doesn't matter. I counted as dung. It's all about the excellency that's living that's in Christ Jesus. I'm here to please him and do what he asked me to do. And that's what he's that's what he's saying here. When he says, I, and I am persuaded that he, Jesus Christ, is able to keep that which I have committed. He's it. Jesus Christ is able to keep me. But I've got to be in Christ. Right? He said in John 15 and 5, I'm fine. Or branch. Without me, you can't, a branch can't live unless it's connected to the vine, can it? It can't grow, it can't live, it can't do anything. And I am, oh, go back to that other scripture. And we're coming to a close. Second uh, Timothy 1.12. And he said, that which I have committed unto him against that day. What is that day? That's the day of Jesus Christ, isn't it? That's the day that the church is taken out of here and taken to be with the bride. The bride's taken to be with the groom, right? So Paul, everything Paul gave up, everything Paul committed to him, his life, his thoughts, his mind, his will, everything, he was committed unto Jesus Christ. He was counting on him being there on that day to say those words that we've heard ministered in this place before and that is probably ministered in every church. Well done. Thou good and that's what we're shooting for. That's what we're, we're striving for. Not pleasing men, not pleasing ourself, but pleasing him. We can be a God to ourselves, Right? There's one scripture in the Bible that says, if you hate not mother or sister or brother, you could go on and add aunt, uncle, cousin, whatever. If you don't hate, not, not hate in the form of I hate you, but if you're not willing to lay 
your relationship with your family members down. What did he say in that scripture? You cannot be my disciple. Wow. So we can actually put family and stuff before God. Examine yourself. You determine. You privately, you go to your closet or wherever it is you go to pray. You don't have to physically go to a closet. Right? I can just be sitting in a room and close my eyes and I can be in my prayer closet. Right? Or, you know, sitting on a bus or sitting in an airplane. I just enter into my prayer closet by closing my eyes. I don't see anything. Turn my ears off. I don't hear anything. Right? You get along with God and you ask yourself, you ask him, am I doing everything to please you? Please tell me if I'm not. Just talk to him. <laughs> right? He And then listen. He'll tell you. But when you pray like that, when you, you know, the, what's not written into this and what's not said here is that you have to be willing to hear what God's saying to you when you ask that question. And you have to be willing to hear when he says, I want you to, you fill in the blank. Or I don't want you to, you fill in the blank. Because it's going to be personal for each one of us. It's going to be different and unique for each one of us. Right? No two, no two disciples did the same thing. No two disciples wrote or spoke the same way. Right? We're each individuals. We're, we're special to him. He individually wants to have that relationship with us. And so that's why he sent men like Paul and Peter and all these men to say to the church and to us by extension is examine yourself. Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. I don't know about you, but I don't want to. I don't want to not be in the faith. Do you? I want to. I don't want to have come all this way and miss heaven. So this this message is just as much for me as it is for you. I gotta go home. I gotta ride down the road in my truck on the way to work, and I gotta examine myself, and I gotta repent, and I gotta ask God: Is there something I've said or done today? That was not pleasing to you. That was not according to your will. That was that was not according to your word. If there was, tell me. I'm I repent right now. Am I holding a grudge against anybody? Help me, Lord, to not do that. Help me to lay that to cast that care on you. Am I holding any unforgiveness in my heart? Right. Any bitterness, any anger, any malice, any wrath, any of that stuff. Am I holding any of that? God, tell me, please. Help me deal with this. I want to make it. Praise God. Father, we love you today. We praise you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for this opportunity to be together.